Absolutely. I mean, with something like a podcast, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It can just tell you the truth. You know, <laughs> people might stop listening and you go, well, maybe I should try another podcast on something different if you're still excited about yeah. podcasting. Podcast Junkies, episode 95. Take three. Yes. Three attempts at recording this intro. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to Brandon Beecham. So maybe you want to pause and check that one out if you haven't done so. Super positive super inspiring and i really got a lot out of it i really love the passion that he brings to his show and he brought it to our conversation we jumped on a whole bunch of topics around uh abundance mindset and doing the work that inspires you and there's really some some good books that he mentioned in there so go check that out if you haven't done so already podcastjunkies.com slash 94 this week i speak to rob lawrence of inspirational creatives and Rob was referred to me by Joe Milmine, episode 90, the Shiny Bees podcast. Shout out to Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had a really, really engaging conversation. Stellar, I'd, I'd like to say, because it, you know, since we're both, we're both podcast interviewers, I'm always interested to see how other people are tackling this topic or this approach to their show. Rob does a a bang up job. Really great. He he you can tell that he's taking it seriously. He's been doing it almost two years and he gives some thoughts on how he's organizing his shows. He's got an interesting short action episodes follow up that he does on Wednesdays where he does a recap. His episode one hundred was really uh great because he broke down some of the highlights of his previous guests and he did it in a way that was really interesting so we talk a little bit about that as well again one of our favorite topics here is surrounding yourself with like-minded people and that's one of the things we mentioned in the start of the conversation so i encourage you to listen closely for some of the takeaways from rob Uh, we talk about show prep we talk about the importance of listening during interviews and how to frame good questions so I think there, if you're a podcaster and you are always looking for inspiration on how to conduct your shows, whether it's solo or whether it's interview, I feel like you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. If you haven't met me already and this is the first time, then I'm Harry Duran. And uh, like I mentioned, I do this every week because it's something that I'm passionate about, because it's something that really makes my day and it pushes me to find interesting interesting, interesting podcasters. And so I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you're new, you, you what we do here is we have a retention hashtag at the end of the show. It's my way of seeing who's paying attention and who's following through on these episodes all the way to the end. So I'll let you know what that is at the end of the show. Stay tuned for that and for a word from our episode sponsor, Cast Source. So if you're interested in some information about uh, a transcription service specifically targeted at podcasters. You'll want to stick around for that as well. But for now, enjoy my conversation with my mate from across the pond, Rob Lawrence. So Rob Lawrence, host of Inspirational Creatives, thank you so much for making it on to Podcast Junkies. You're very welcome. Uh, Excited to have you on. We were connected through Joe Milmine of uh the shiny bees podcast 
That's right. Yeah. Joe's, Joe's a great friend of mine and uh, a fellow podcaster. And um, yeah, it's lovely to be invited. So uh, thanks for the opportunity, Harry. How important for you is the podcasting community and the connections you've made since you've started podcasting yourself? Oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. I think I underestimated before I started podcasting how engaged the audience would be and how many new people I've met just through the whole process of podcasting. So not just listeners, absolutely listeners, but other podcasters, you know, other people to geek out on podcasting with, but also just in the broader subjects that my podcast covers, for example, which is sort of in essence, creativity and entrepreneurship. I think what's fascinated me is there are people around that sort of, you know, circle the periphery of those interests that have reached out to me as well. And they're really fascinating and interesting people too. And just making those connections, um, you know, I think some people think that podcasting is a one-way thing where you just share what either what you know or what you're hearing or what you learn from other people, but it's absolutely not. There's so much two-way conversation that's going on outside of just the podcast. Um, yeah, it's ab- I, I can safely say it's changed my life in that sense. Isn't it interesting because I, it's something that I've found and I've been podcasting for uh, just over two years, this feeling uh, that you have that it's your tribe and that we, we sort of speak the same language. And I know that you've been to New Media Europe where you've met some good connections there and people that have resulted in being on your show. And I've done the same thing through podcast movement. And you just feel like you have this connection with people and you start with the base of having this podcast uh, podcast thing in, in common. And then from there, you're, it's surprising to see how, how many other things you have in common as a result of that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. It does make me wonder what kind of brings us together. We have the most unusual interests and fascinations sometimes. Podcasting seems to be a common theme, but there's an underlying kind of, I don't know how quite to put my finger on it, but there's an underlying kind of psyche that's within our character and i think we are intensely creative people we're very curious people as podcasters and i think it's those sort of traits that unite us in many respects but i know exactly what you mean Uh, that was exactly my experience at new media europe having listened to the podcasts of many of the people that were both speaking and attending events such as new media europe i realized that when i actually met them face to face in public um i think the first thing was i was just fascinated like hearing the voice i was familiar with coming out of a actual person that was that that was the first thing but the other thing is too that i felt like i really knew that person and where i know it wouldn't necessarily and if i've had the privilege of them listening to my own podcast i think they felt some way in that way too which is really really nice people feel like they really really know you when they actually get to hear your voice uh, particularly on a regular basis so your podcast is inspirational creatives but i it seems like you had the the creativity uh, latent inside of you in the beginning of your career, because you talked about how you started in technology and then mm. you traveled a bit, you went to Australia and uh, you're, you're in Australia now? No, I'm in the UK uh, now. UK, back in the UK. And then you went to Berlin as well, if I remember yeah. listening. And so uh, can you talk about how important it was to have, or how important it is to have someone around you who can... Um, push you to to do that thing that that really uh, fills you with passion and 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 along the lines of what your your podcast about that's creativity and i'm Mm. wondering because you talk about the importance of family for you and i'm wondering if you could dig a little deep about having someone or, or people around you that can move you to do bigger things 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think there's there's great power in surrounding yourself with people that you aspire to be or at least have qualities that you aspire to. Uh, there seems to be this kind of pull effect. So rather than you trying to climb, up, climb out of a place that you're in, when you, you tend to surround yourself with people, they kind of pull you forward. So they're kind of pulling you out from the place that you're in. And it's a really unique kind of magnetism. And I think there's somebody said, I, I can't remember where I've heard this, but, you know, I've heard before that you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And I absolutely believe that's true. So I think if you choose to surround yourself with people that are perhaps going some way to achieve your own biggest aims, getting there is so much easier because you've got people that are 20 steps ahead of you that have already trodden some of that path and they've got insights and experience to offer you so that more often than not they can give you a shortcut or they can say well I went down this road and this is what happened for me so when you go down that road you might want to think about these things too um, that's really useful but I think more than anything at a deeper level what really happens when you, you surround yourself with successful people is your mindset starts to change, your beliefs start to change, the things you say to yourself, because we all talk to ourselves in our own heads, whether we admit it or not. The things we say us, to ourselves reaffirm our actions uh, or create our actions. And yeah, by, by changing that mindset, that underlying kind of subconscious mindset, um, it has a really powerful influence on the results that we see in everything that we do around us. Yeah. So that quote is attributable to Jim Rohn. He's an inspiring speaker, and he actually uh, studied, uh, or Tony Robbins studied with him. Mm -hmm. um, and what's been interesting is that I've seen that applied in, a, in various ways. So the other uh, ways that that's been teased out is I've seen, I've seen people say, take the average salary of the, your five closest friends, and that's your, mm. and that's your average salary. You know, take the average positivity of, you know, the five closest, the most five positive friends around you. And that's how positive you are. So it's interesting. And, and maybe if you had, you know, the five most creative people around you, and that's about just about how creative you are. So if you think about if you elevate that and, and OK, let me go find some more, even more creative people, you know, in a way it's, the, it's that rising tide effect that happens, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And those people that you choose to surround yourself with, particularly if they're successful people, they're going to be moving forward too. So, yes. you know, you're going to be benefiting from the net effect of them moving forward at the same time as you moving out. So it kind of accelerates itself and you get this really unique kind of momentum. But kind of going back to my own story. Yeah, I mean, I had a corporate career in technology, but I've always felt like a creative being uh, ever since I was ever since I can remember. I mean, we are all creative beings. Um, but I think where my life really changed is when I started to meet people that thought differently to the way I thought, or at least thought differently to the way that um, most of the people that I surrounded myself with at that time were thinking. And that was when I really felt my life begin to shift. So, so realizing that this list can change on, on a regular basis, who, can you identify someone who was one of your biggest inspirations as you were growing up? As I was growing up, not particularly. I think there was different people at different times and different people at different um, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, there's this saying that you, you may have heard it, which is like people come into your life for a reason, a season or for life. And that's really quite true, actually. When I first heard that, I 
kind of thought it was a bit wishy-washy but the more i think about it in life now um it's absolutely true and i recognize that and it's always fascinates me too when new people come into my life i always ask that question in my mind i'm like is this going to be a lifelong friend or are they going to show me something i don't know or are they going to just be here for a for a bit of fun for a short period of time and um that's always fun to see how that unfolds but uh, i would say that's absolutely true to be able to attribute a single kind of turning point in my life i've had so many different turning points just as everybody does and I would also say I've had different turning points in different aspects of my life, be it my health, my career, my podcasting or my creativity. So, yeah, I, I, I would find it really, really hard to sort of pinpoint someone specifically. But what I would say is that family has been a big, big part of my journey, um, incredibly supportive throughout whatever it is I've been trying to achieve. And particularly today, my wife, Sandra, she's um, there's basically only two people I listen to in life, and that's my audience and my wife, um, because one of them is going to be right. And more often than not, my wife is uh, certainly when, when it comes to my own ideas. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, as podcasters, we can't uh, stress the importance of that enough. I can totally relate to that. You know, my wife, Natalie is, is very patient with me. And, and thankfully now I, I, I my full-time business is all podcasting related. And I know that listening to your story, that that's what's happened to you. You're able to live in, in the podcasting world, but it's true that we we it would be much we could probably do it without the support of our our spouses or our loved ones but it would be a, a lot harder because there's there's late nights there's work on the weekends and I think uh, as podcasters we need to recognize the people you know if it is your spouse that's fine but it's if it's your friends if it's your if it's your listeners I think we should take time out on a regular basis to thank those people because especially when 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 the journey is long we need, we, need, we need to stop and look back um at all the people that have helped us along the way and I, and I wonder if you found that to be the case for yourself as well absolutely i mean i feel gratitude towards those very people on a daily basis i mean i don't at any stage take those people my wife my audience for granted um because it's without them, all of this is, means nothing anyway. Yeah. And so in many respects, that's where my motivation, where my drive comes from for all of this. In fact, the, the original idea I had for inspirational creatives was significantly driven by me wanting to find answers for my wife in terms of her own photography business. And I was like, well, I didn't, you know, I felt ashamed, I guess, as a guy, I didn't have all the answers. So I kind of did what I could to try and find those. And that's partly where the podcast started. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't take any of it for granted. I mean, um, you know, listeners reach out to me and I find that so special. Yeah. And what fascinates me is where they reach out from what they're interested in and what walks of life that they're enjoying or experiencing. And, uh, it feels such a privilege to be part of all of that, but you're absolutely right. You know, there's a degree of forgiveness that comes from both the listeners and from spouses as well in terms of the very late nights, sometimes the poor quality when we've got to get it out there quickly um, and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, and uh, I think, it, you know, that's that all adds to the relationship. And it's, this is all about relationships at the end of the day. How influential were early podcasters in helping you define or think about how you were going to structure and start your show? 
That's a great question. I think subconsciously very. I didn't really realize it, but I'd been listening to podcasts for years before I actually started podcasting. And I was producing podcasts for people before I started my own. So I think over time, if I stretch my mind back, it was probably as far back as 2005, 2006. And whilst that doesn't sound that long ago in podcasting terms, that's that's quite a long time. Yeah, it is. But I was listening, yeah, I was listening to audio then, which today would be of course would be called a podcast and i think even those early shows were having a huge influence on um the way i've structured and the way i've gone about it and it would be true to say that almost everything i've listened to has had some effect in some shape or form including radio too um i was a big listener of radio when i was growing up so i think that's definitely had a big influence on on the way i've structured and the way i've approached certainly my style in terms of the way i've tried to evolve my own style a style that feels comfortable for me as you well know you kind of try a few things out and then you find your own kind of groove after a short period of time and i think that was what i you I was hearing these different things and I was trying, you know, to emulate various different people to find my own kind of groove. And, um, yeah, uh, I think all of it has an effect or an influence, even if, even when it's when you're listening to something going, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I definitely don't want to be like that, because a lot of this stuff is about what it isn't as well. I think what's interesting is that so many people are jumping into the podcasting space and when they're new, they don't know what to do so they just copy what everyone else is doing and you see that here with a lot of the entrepreneurial podcasts copying famous podcasters because they just they they're almost to the point where they ask the same questions <laughs> yeah and and in a way we all do that to an extent and I did a little bit of that when I when I started but I I think it's really important to find your own voice and to be something that's different because because there's so many podcasters in the space now, I think we all, it's, it's a challenge to ourselves to sort of raise the stakes or raise the game, if you will, to, to keep recording and, and putting out something that's unique and different. Um, so I'm wondering if you are continuously challenging yourself to think about new ways on how to present your subject matter. Yeah, I think I suffer from a sort of healthy paranoia, which is, you know, is my co latest content as good as the last piece? And is this podcast always moving forward to somebody that's that's following it along? I think it's also important to not forget that sometimes, you know, your last or your latest episode is the first episode that people listen to as well. So you have to kind of get this, master this tricky balance of, not only remaining relevant and, and interesting, that's that that's really, really important, but also remaining fresh and accessible so that when somebody listens to any episode that you have to offer, uh, it is it, it can be accessed in a way that it may be the first episode that that person listens to. So they want to get an idea from the introduction or from the style or the format of your show, what the podcast is about, because what their listener is always thinking is what's in it for me, be it educational or entertainment, they're going to be thinking that subconsciously in the back of their mind. So it's really important to keep that in the forefront of your own mind as a podcaster when it comes to putting the content together. So when I'm producing or reflecting on my own episodes before they go out, I'm always really sensitive to how I'm feeling. If I start to lose interest myself or I start getting bored, there's every chance that a listener's gone through. And this is my own podcast. And as podcasters, we should love listening to our own voices and our own shows. So if we suddenly start to switch off and our mind wanders a bit, then maybe there, an edit needs to be made there. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for that in terms of keeping it fresh, keeping it interesting. And what I would say to just build on that point is that, you know, 
make sure you're remaining curious, you know, remain interested and follow your gut. Just if, if, if there's particularly in a, an interview or a, a conversational piece like we're doing right now is if you suddenly find an interesting avenue you want to explore, it's not going to hurt too much to go there within reason. And it's well worth doing because that sometimes can be fascinating content and that can sometimes be the best piece of content that you could put out there. So remain curious and, you know, in terms of finding your own voice, be authentic. Just be who you are. I think that's, don't, yeah, it helps at the beginning to emulate other people because you've got to get started somewhere. So you're probably going to do that anyway. And it's better that you get started than not get started and not emulate somebody. So it's better that you emulate and get started in the first instance. But you quickly want to try and get to your own voice and find who that is. And it will change as you move forward. My voice is still changing. I listen back to episodes now and early episodes, and there's a huge contrast in my mind between where I was then, who I am now. Uh, but it's really important that you get the content out there. That will give you the confidence to keep moving forward. And it will also help you to find who your voice is. So the more content you put out there, the more, more you practice this stuff, the more you can find out who, who you are. You made an interesting point there, that, that idea of listening back. It's important to always listen to our previous episodes. And, and as much as we feel like we need to move forward on to the next interview or to the next episode, I think this idea of, of always trying to improve and always seeing what we could have done better even if we just listen to it, you know, once more, once it's about to go live and, you know, okay, make some, make some notes. But I think if we constantly have that mindset of always tweaking and always finding little things that we could have done here and there, I think uh, it'll result in a better show. And, uh, you know, from listening to your later episodes, it seems like that's something that you do on a consistent basis because it's, it seems like the quality of your interviews and the quality of the questions you ask um, – it's, it, it reflects the thought that you're putting into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, this is a craft. It's like any creative activity. Podcasting is a craft. And, you know, crafts d d deserve to be mastered in that sense. And at the end of the day, whatever we're interested in, I think we're interested in some level of mastery, whether we're trying to master ourselves or whether we're trying to master our own podcast. And I think for me, when it comes to an interview-based type show, uh, I think the, the more... You, the, the more insightful your questions are or the more leaning your questions are, the more insightful the answers are. And I think for me, it's about it's a bit of a dance in some respects. It's about not only asking great questions, but it's about timing It's when to ask the right question and at what point or knowing what to look for. And I think that, again, comes with experience. And I feel that's how I'm improving from show to show is. When I listen back to a show, I go, hmm, I would have loved to have asked this question at that point there, but I missed that opportunity. But now I know that I'm sensitive to it in the future. So when I have another chat with somebody and that's and a similar situation comes up, then I can interject and ask them this pressing question I have and I'll get a really fascinating and insightful answer. And that can change the whole journey of the conversation sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it's a craft. It's, it, and and there's, there's, there's great opportunity here for mastery, I think, within the podcasting space. Do you find that you're, you pay attention now more to other interview-based shows or even people that interview guests on TV? Do you find that you, you look at what they're doing and see if there's anything that you can take away from them as well? Yeah, I do. And the funny thing that's changed for me, I think, start, since starting a podcast and an interview based podcast for that is that I 
I listen more to the questions that are being asked than I do to the answers. I mean, I am still passively listening to the answers, but only to see, to kind of gauge how good that answer was. Because what I want to know is how effective that question was and where it was placed. So I think my mindset again has changed. And I think this is true for any kind of activity. Once you start to kind of take another role within that same environment, it would be the same. I imagine if you're a student, when you become a teacher, all of a sudden you realize what a different game it is. It's not what, how you think it is to be on the other side. And um, yeah, I think for me, Harry, what's really changed is when I listen to an interview show now, I'm listening to the the host and I'm listening to the questioners and where they're placing and and the way they're responding to answers you know how do they yeah. how do they summarize and wrap up what's just been said and move on to, because that that bit that where you want to change direction or whether they want to kind of go deeper that transition that interface right there is fascinating to me and how people do that and they do it seamlessly is something that I'm really really sensitive to these days and and fascinated by yeah, that's an interesting point and maybe something we can dive a bit deeper on because there there are those transition phrases, right? Okay, so changing gears now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, in a way, you could have those as a crutch if if you don't think about the fact that you're doing it and, and it just becomes a reflex and just say, okay, I don't know how to switch this or transition this in a better way, so I'm just going to go with my stock phrase. It's going to be changing gears, and every time that I feel I want to change the topic, I'm going to say that. But one thing that you did mention was what the question was and where it was placed. Can you elaborate on what your thought process is around that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's better, obviously, to ask open questions so you get a, a more interesting answer but something that's been working for me really well recently is um you know trying to leave space for that person to think and to respond so i tend to when they stop talking i tend to mentally try and count to three because more often than not they then have got something to add and that's fascinating to me so creating space so always making sure there's enough time for an interview to create that space so that when it gets edited, there's still enough material there and we haven't run out of time to kind of get to some really, really interesting content. So creating space and as a host, I feel that's something I, I'm hugely responsible for when it comes to an interview based podcast. But I think also in terms of actual the questions I ask, I tend to be these days compared to what I did in the beginning, I tend to be asking Questions that are trying to elicit stories, because I think that's what people are really interested in when it comes to yeah. listening podcasts. And so I will perhaps try and phrase a question by beginning, you know, uh, to, to give a small example. If I want them to, to give me a short story or a small story, I would, or if there's a point that might be a bit sensitive to go into, I will, I will start by saying out of curiosity. I'll ask them out of curiosity. Can you tell me about da da da? And it kind of softens the blow a bit if you've got a hard, a hard hitting question. But the big question that I do use for to try and get a story from somebody is tell me about the time when, or tell me about such, you know. So, and, and I tend to, if I can dress up a question in that way, and sometimes you do have to think on your feet with all of this. Um, I tend to find that the most insightful answers come out a little bit. And also if I can elicit some emotion in what they say. So for example, I could ask somebody, um, what was the reality like when you X and then go into that point? Or what did it feel like when 
X happened? Because more often than not, people won't put something in their answer that they're not willing to explore with you. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you know one of my guests sort of brought up a divorce, they said, well, the turning point in my life was when I got divorced, for example. Um, the chances are that's an invitation to go there. They yeah. pr if they didn't want to go there, there's a good chance they wouldn't have brought it up. So you can at least tease it and you can sort of say, you could start with the soft. So you could get, then go, well, out of curiosity, why do you think it was the divorce that was the turning point? And then they might offer a bit more. And then you can say, well, tell me, tell me what actually happened. What was the reality of that? Like, it's permission to go deeper. So I think that's what's changed for me in my experience so far as a podcaster. It's a little bit of a dance, isn't it? Because you have to see where they go and how much room they're willing to give you and how, how you know, if they're willing to open up. And mm -hmm. you, you, it's, it's a skill because you have to be able to read body language. And that's one of the reasons I do video because I have to see, did I ask a question that just rubs someone the wrong way? It's, it's hard mm -hmm. to hide your, the reaction on your face when, when they ask someone that, you know, just doesn't hit you the right way or, or, or maybe you can just see that they're probably going to be uncomfortable <laughs> answering. So I think that's one of the things that's really helpful here. Um, I'm wondering, um, as, as, you, as, you, as you think through this process, you talk about being able to tell stories because those elicit the, 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 those make for the best content. Did you always fancy yourself a storyteller? Not as myself, but, uh, but I, I think what I realized at the beginning, I wanted to get the story. There were two things I wanted to get was the story and the strategy. So I was kind of like, who is this person and why should I care? Or who is this person? And why should my listener care? And also what, what through their life and professional experience can they offer? What are the big nuggets that they found in their whole life experience and professional experience would they like to offer to an interested audience that may make a big difference in their life? So it was a balance of those two things because I felt strategy was too cold on its own, but stories didn't really lead anywhere. I mean, you, stories are 10 to the dozen, but why should I care about this person's story? Well, it really helps if I'm going to learn a strategy or a new idea from them that's going to help me shift their mindset to contextualize that or understand their story and their deeper background more so really helps me to understand the point that they're trying to make or why that strategy or why I would care to change that my own strategy if that was a new strategy that I wanted to implement. So I could actually almost see it in action or hear an example of how it powerfully changed somebody's life. So I think it adds weight. You know, the strategies um, benefit from having a story around them because rather than just hearing this is how you could, you know, start your own creative business around something that you're passionate about, you can say, well, here's why, because this is how it's changed for me and how it's changed my life. But here are some of the hurdles that I experienced too, which may interest you and not only interest you but by learning from my experience you may be able to benefit from that in some way you had an interesting conversation with uh, michael port and obviously since he's got a, a really strong background in in he studied acting and the the concept of the the three act story he talked about a bit with you so i'm, I'm wondering what, what what was one of your biggest takeaways because i've heard him on, on on various other shows and you really seem to have a, a good rapport with him. So I'm wondering if there's anything specifically about that conversation that impacted you or that was a big aha for you. 
Well, I mean, at the, in the first instance, he was such a professional guest. I think that's the thing. When you meet somebody who's so good at what they do, even if it's over Skype for the sake of recording a podcast, uh, it's just uh, it's an unforgettable experience. And to, to work with somebody like him and to have him on the Inspirational Creative Show was just such a great opportunity. I couldn't miss it. And what, I think one of the big takeaways I got from him was this idea of creating early and often and or, or making a decision early and often and i think what he was suggesting or what i learned from that was the importance of just making a decision it may or may not be the right decision but just make a decision and make decisions quickly so if you need to change that decision you can you can change it but i think there's a before and after the michael port interview for me and i would say one of the biggest changes that i've experienced since that that chat with michael was that this um, this concept for me of just just getting on with things, just make the decision. The chances are you're going to swing one way or the other in terms of which way you want to go with be it this question or that question, if it's in the middle of a podcast or interview or this piece of hardware or that piece of hardware when we're geeking out about audio kit. Just make the decision and, and move forward. Um, so that was one of the big, powerful pieces of advice I got from him. And I think... I can safely say that because even to this day, as soon as you ask that question, that's what came to mind. And I think that's something I think about on a daily basis. Am I laboring on an idea or a, or a decision that needs to be made? And, and what decisions do I need to make today to just move forward on some of the things that I'm working on right now? So with your interviews in general, how much work do you do uh, in terms of prepping for the guest and how, mo how much of it is just uh, an what comes naturally as a result of the conversation that you're having live with the guest mm -hmm. in the moment? Yeah, I think to some degree it depends on who it is and what the conversation I think is going to be about. If it's going to be an area, I recently had an inventor, a product artist, as he called himself, Stephen Key, on the Inspirational Creative Show. And I knew nothing about that space. So I did a little bit more research than I normally would. So I watched some more of his YouTube videos than I normally would for a guest. And I read more about what he does and perhaps some of the wider space that he works in. Um, so that's an example of where I thought, hang on a minute, I'm going to be completely out of my comfort zone, which I like, by the way. But I kind of wanted to, you know, at least be able to talk some of the talk with him. And I'm surprised at how much you don't have to do to be able to do that. I mean, you 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, and you can know enough to be able to have a good conversation with somebody. Um, but I think it shifted over time. When I first started out, I did tons because I think I was super nervous and my confidence wasn't high and I wanted to be good. Uh, but the reality is to get better, you just have to practice and you're not going to be brilliant in the beginning, but it's more important that you just get started in the beginning. It doesn't matter how good you are because time will kind of heal that and you will improve you just will improve that's 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 uh, uh, unquestionable uh, but i think for me it's shifted so i did loads of prep in the beginning i do a lot less prep now and a lot more following my intuition now but what i do now which is perhaps different to what i did to begin with although i think i probably did do this to begin with is i will reflect on my own performance i think at the end of a chat for example if there's something i felt a bit uncomfortable with in the chat i'm like hmm i might go and find that piece of audio and just listen back and go did i was that the right question to ask or did, did I interject a bit too early when they were leading up to a point? And I'll, I, and then I'll kind of try and be as objective as I can without getting too upset about it and go, okay, I think I perhaps did jump in a little bit quick there, for example. Uh, maybe next time I'll just pause a bit longer when somebody's going in that direction. And so I try and learn from it 
really quickly and then move on. Um, but a lot more of it these days is about intuition. And as you pointed out earlier, I mean, it really is a dance. And I think you'll never you'll never master this stuff fully. There's always new guests and new experiences to be had. But what does happen is your confidence builds over time. And I think you as your confidence and experience builds, your intuition develops. And so your sense of what a good question to ask right now might be improves. That's what I'm finding. What I find most interesting is something that I've tried to do as I've grown myself professionally is I, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room ever. And, mm. you know, it's it's a build off the, the Jim Rohn quote. And I think as I continue the podcast, I actively am searching out for people that are doing a very good job of this because I feel in a way uh, having that conversation with someone is going to elevate my game and is going to make sure that I, I know that this person is, is a, a good podcaster and a good interviewer in their own right. And so I want to make sure that you know, here in the States we say we bring our A game. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what we want to do on a regular basis. And I think that's something as podcasters we should always think about not sit, not stand, not sit, you know, uh, standing on our own laurels, resting on our own laurels. Sorry, um, and just challenging ourselves to become better and better and better, and going out of our way to look for opportunities uh, that we can do that. So, uh, it's just something that came to mind as you were saying what you were saying. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's um, it, in my. Res- I think the way I picture my role as a host in the podcast is I'm kind of creating the environment and the framework for this person to shine. And what I always want to do is, is create a platform for that person to look their absolute best. So I I take the podcasting side of my work quite seriously in the sense that if, if, if there's any point in the episode where I don't think that person sounds as amazing as I believe them to be, then I will quite happily move the production around or the edit so that it works in their favor. So they sound absolutely incredible because the biggest, the, 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 the biggest compliment I can get from my own podcast is hearing when somebody makes that connection, I'll get an email or a tweet where somebody says, I got an email in fact last week, um, from a previous guest to say that, um, a listener of mine had reached out to her directly. And that is the best compliment I can get because that was exactly what inspirational creatives was designed for. And that just, left me glowing all day and it's also a nice reflection that i feel i'm doing what i believe is my job correctly which is helping those people shine and i think there are different ways you can do that and i agree i mean not having your own strong opinions and ideas is is definitely a a, a great place to start but i think also if you listen really really carefully to what people offer you when you ask them a question sometimes the first or second thing that they offer you isn't necessarily the strongest because they're still processing the thoughts but their third idea might be it and sometimes you want to cut straight to that answer when you answer a question when it comes to editing and i don't do a lot of editing but if i think the third point they make is really powerful i'll start with that and then i'll put the first and second points to round it off and sometimes that can make for a much more enjoyable and engaging listening experience for the listener and as i said earlier i think all of this is driven with this kind of imaginary listener in my mind this is all about the listening experience i i want to come back to the editing in a bit but i, I i'm wondering who in your life that knows you for the longest time would be the most surprised that you're now a podcaster? <laughs> um, who? 
I think most people that I know in my close circles are probably aware that I'm podcasting. Um, I think there's probably people sort of in my wider circles that still don't know what podcasting is. I read a statistic the other day that like 33% of Americans know what a podcasting is, which knows what a podcast is, which suggests to me like 66% don't. And I think that's probably true of my own social networks as well. So it, I'd have to do some research, I think, to find that person. Um, but I think that, you know, for example, my dad, I think he knows that I do a podcast and I think he knows what a podcast is, but he's not, I don't think, I don't seem to be able to impress him with what I feel I've achieved through my podcast. And, you know, I've reached tens of thousands of listeners and I'm like, wouldn't you want that? Isn't that amazing? Because it fascinates me. And I never set out to achieve that. Um, but I'm sure if I did that in some other area, he'd be suitably impressed. So uh, I think it's a case of convincing people that, you know, podcast podcasting can be serious business. I think maybe you should just take a, a BBC radio bumper and just add it to the front of your show and just <laughs> play that back for him and say, yeah, it's, it's, I'm on the radio and that's what I do and I'm famous now. <laughs> yeah, the day I get on BBC Radio 4 with my podcast or being interviewed as a podcaster just as I am now and my dad happens to be listening to it in his car, that, you know, I'll, I'll feel I've made it at that point, I think. <laughs> well, that's key, right? Because if it's in the car, they don't know whether it's coming off of a, a, a podcast feed or if it's coming straight from a radio stations it's like see i'm, I'm famous yeah. now <laughs> yeah you've been on the television that's it it doesn't matter what shape or form if you've been on the radio or the television then you've been in that frame well that's the future isn't it i i'm, I'm fascinated by the way this is moving and i, I don't know mm. if you if you've watched uh, mark uh, marin's show on, on on ifc but it's it's really funny because he's he's got his podcast and as a result this led to his tv show and the tv show is about him as a podcaster <laughs> And so it's like this interesting uh, art imitating life thing. And what, what I found hilarious is one of the episodes, he's in a um, recovery clinic because he's uh, overdosed on painkillers. And the counselor was saying, was asking him questions, but secretly recording him. And Mark Myron is like, what are you doing? And the counselor is like, well, I'm, I've got a podcast. I'm, I'm starting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a, a nerdy podcast joke, but I saw it and immediately was laughing because I could relate. But it's, yeah. so, it's so funny how it's coming into the, like uh, the lexicon and, and everyday life. People are, uh, there was an episode of Family Guy, I think, where he was podcasting in his basement. So I think <laughs> slowly but surely, I think we're getting there public awareness of it absolutely you know when it's on family guy is it's, it's it's definitely changing gears uh coming back to the editing you've done some interesting things that you, you seem to have a, a knack for boiling down uh a interview or an episode into the essential takeaways and i i listened to the episode that you did was uh your episode 100 which was your recaps mm. so uh, i'm curious how much time went into that and what your thought process is and maybe if you talk a little bit about where where you learned that because I, I know you did study in audio engineering mm. and i'm wondering if that's where it came from but it's it's really interesting and fascinating and it's not easy to do this ability to uh, boil down key topics and to to pick out which snippets might make the most sense um so i'm, I'm wondering if you could talk mm. a bit about, about that 
Yeah, it's fascinating in the sense that I think it's actually more my coaching background than my audio background that's enabled me to do that. Because, <clears throat> you know, something that, that comes up in my coaching is like, you've really got to get to the point. You've got to kind of understand what funda what's fundamentally going on right now in this conversation. And actually, the short action episodes, which I do each Wednesday that come out, because what happens is on the Friday, I've got a longer interview. And then I try and find a key point within that longer interview that I think is worth focusing on. But it's also not only got to be a deep sort of actionable point, but an easy one too. So how can I narrate around this piece in a way that makes it easy to swallow? And that's what happens the following Wednesday. So a shorter piece, like a 10, 15 minute short action episode comes out, which just focuses in on that single point. And the whole point of that short action episode is for people who might be time constrained because they, they, they might be the people that are less interested in the stories, but more interested in the strategy. And so they can just listen to the weekly Wednesday short action episodes and get the real juice. They, they can just listen to those and then they can take something actionable late each week. The people who've got perhaps got more podcast listening time uh, can listen to the longer interviews. Uh, and it's also, I suppose, I, I hadn't really thought about this until recently, but the short action episodes are also invitations in the sense that, you know, those people go, that that guy was amazing. I was really fascinated by what he had to say. I want to hear more. They can then rewind to the previous episode and they can hear a lot more around what that person has to offer. Um, but I think it really comes much more from my coaching background than it does with my audio background in the sense that, yeah, it's actually the shorter episodes are more work, you know, technically in terms of the editing. But there are quite a lot of work in terms of I have to script them and really think out uh, to, to be clear and simple is actually a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so it's not as easy as just taking the point and then narrating around it to stay focused and clear so that there's a clear actionable takeaway for that listener can be quite a challenge. And I find it quite challenging on a weekly basis. In fact, I find it more challenging than not. So when I get an easy one, I go smashed it this week and I turned it around in no time at all. Um, that's a real gift. But I can assure you that's the exception, not the rule. Um, so the short action episodes definitely take more time to produce in terms of I have to really think about you know, what I can offer the listener in terms of this point and how they could introduce this idea into their life, even if it's an idea that I'm already familiar with. Um, and what I've started doing recently is offering downloadable worksheets that now go with these action episodes. Mm. So folks can go off and get those and that can kind of accompany it. And I'm hoping that's, that's going to make, make it a little bit easier to digest some of these ideas because, I, you know, speaking to, going back to the point we were riffing on earlier about surrounding yourself with, successful people i've my game has changed so much in the short time that i've been doing this podcast just simply because of the people that i've been speaking with on a weekly basis um i think that you know if you can learn just a tenth of this stuff and implement it into your life it will change your life in some shape or form it definitely has for me and the easier i can make that process for somebody because we're all time constrained we're all trying to figure stuff out we're all bombarded with information we want to simplify 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 the more i can make it simple for somebody to digest that content the better as far as i'm concerned yeah i've, I've been inspired by that and uh you, you may see some implementation of that in Podcast Junkies in the future. I, I really like that idea. <laughs> I've um, seen it on other podcasts. So yeah. like other podcasters I know and I've spoken with, and particularly ones that have reached out to me going, I really like the format of your show. The next thing I notice is they're doing these actionable episodes. And you know what? It's great. I, I'm just absolutely flattered by that. And if, if that's what I've brought to the world, then that's an amazing thing. 
Where did you get the idea? Because I, I, or did you have that from the time you started the podcast? I can't honestly remember. I had it since the beginning of the podcast, and I think it was from a place of indecision. I couldn't remember. I perhaps was still wondering about this story strategy thing, and I didn't know which one I wanted it to be. So the only way I could make peace with myself, the only way I could get sleep at night, I think, around that time when I launched the podcast, was to go, okay, I'm going to do the story each week, and then I'm going to do a short action episode. And I'm not quite sure. I can't remember now exactly where the idea came from. But I was able to reach a peaceful place quite quickly by having... Um, arrived at that point what I didn't realize is how much work it was going to be putting out two episodes a week from the very beginning I really I think in hindsight I would have probably done you know like one a week and every other week would have been an action episode because it is a lot of work and you know when things get busy you know this as a podcaster um, there's a few late nights and early mornings involved yeah and I think it, it's interesting this idea that you mentioned about having something for everyone and I've always been prided myself in this long form interview that I've I've been doing for the past couple of years but I I do think there is value in trying to reach a different audience who may be put off or just be totally overwhelmed by the thought of trying to consume an hour plus episode every single week and so I'm going to give it some thought and I and I, and I do know what work is involved because I I have help with my editing now but in the beginning I was in there trying to be you mixing in sound bites and and different things and and if i heard a guest mention a song i would i would mix in the song and then i quickly realized this is hours of work <laughs> yeah. this is a, it takes a, a bit of effort but i think uh, i maybe there's a happy medium in there somewhere. The pendulum will swing back. Yeah, there, there is an ongoing debate, debate amongst podcasters. I remember at New Media Europe last year, there was a big debate, uh, certainly around the table, uh, around the coffee table with other podcasters. This, you know, should, podca- should podcasts be an hour and a half long or should they be 20 minutes long? And I think the general conclusion was actually listeners prefer the longer podcasts because they can press pause at any time and come back to it. And that's definitely true for my listening habits. I don't mind, you know, stopping an audiobook at any point and coming back to it. And it's the same with the podcast. Um, and the short action episodes for me are nice and bite-sized. They certainly get a lot of attention because I get the feedback that reflects that. Um, and I think it does give something for everybody in that sense. Uh, so yeah, but you can't please everybody. So you have to, you have to make decisions around, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, what are the constraints around that? So, um, I think it's too soon to say, but you know, at some point in the future, I'd love to be able to analyze, you know, which are the more popular short action episodes, or I'd certainly love to do a comparison in terms of how regularly they were listened to in context of the longer episodes. Yeah, that would be good. It's, uh, I think a lot of times, we don't stop and see what, what's working and what's not. We just so focus on putting the episodes in week in and week out. So that's that's a, a really good idea. Yeah. The, the other in, uh, interview that you had was with Cindy Burnett, and I thought it was fascinating. This, I wonder if you could uh, talk a little bit about it, just as a as an introduction to some of the episodes, and also to encourage people to to listen to your show. But just to give a taste of that one, uh, I thought it. This idea that she had, she's a creative person, and as a result of having to wait for her desk to show up, some something interesting happened. If you could talk a little bit about yeah. that. She's a doctor of creativity, and I knew I never knew there could be such thing because she's this amazing person where in her world, creativity, this whole world of kind of freedom and artistic expression meets academia, it meets the academic world. And I, I never even knew a doctor of creativity could exist. And so I was absolutely fascinated by, um, I think I heard about her, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter. And I just 
got in touch lightly and sort of said, I'd, I'd love to introduce you and in put, put, put you in front of my own audience, uh, which, you know, circles around the thoughts and ideas of, of, of what it means to be creative because we're all creative beings in essence. And I think that's where my own curiosity stems from. But what does that mean in an academic setting? And what can a doctor teach you about creativity? And I thought that was fascinating. And what I loved about that scenario that she described, and, and, and it was a very, very popular episode. I remember that at the time. Um, she was waiting for this desk to appear in her office. And in the absence of it turning up, she actually asked them to not deliver the desk. They said, I've been managing in my office without a desk, so I, I don't want a desk. And and what I love about that is like, to me, that has creative written all over it. That's how truly creative people think and work. They're like, you know what? This is this is how I'm going to do it. So an academic person without a desk is a fascinating image in, in, in its in its first instance. But what I found, what I learned from her, and I think this is and I learned this from another guest of mine, Dave Ursulo, who's a writer friend of mine. And he, he gave me some fascinating insights into changing our own perspective. And this can help with podcasting as well as it can with any kind of creative endeavor, be it writing or any other form of artistic expression. And what Cindy did was with, in the absence of having a desk, she had different chairs. And to each of these different chairs, she assigned a personality or a mentor. It was a previous mentor of hers. And it enabled her to think or attain different perspectives on a single idea that she had. And I thought this was brilliant. And we can do this quite easily in our own homes just by going to sit on the sofa or maybe moving to the bedroom and laying down to think about the same idea. Just a simple shift like that in physical location or environment can help us to get a completely different perspective on the way we're thinking about an idea. And until you try it, you don't really realise the power of it. And I thought what was fascinating what was fascinating about her story and that experience for her is she would just sit in one of these, be it a beanbag or a chair or a wooden chair. She would sit in one of these different chairs and attain a different perspective on what it was she was focused on at that point in time. And that really helped her with her creative work when it was, when it came to putting courses and that kind of stuff together. So uh, yeah, that was hugely insightful. And one of the, one of the lovely big surprises for me was interviewing, interviewing her. Yeah, that was. Uh, I encourage the listener to check out that episode. You'll you'll find it very interesting and very inspiring. So we'll we'll put a link to that specific one in the show notes along with the the whole podcast. Yeah, great. So as as we wrap up a bit, a couple more questions. I'm wondering what you've changed your mind about recently. What have I changed my mind about recently? <clears throat> Um, okay. That's a good one. I like that. I like the question. Um, and I'm going to think about what have I changed my mind about? Right. So in the podcasting world, what I've changed my mind about recently is when I started Inspirational Creatives, I had no concept of doing a podcast as a season. I just started doing a podcast and so I just started making show after show after show. And I got to episode 100 and I thought, I probably need to take a break because this was week in and week out. And I was finding it really difficult to do anything else around what was kind of consuming me. Because what I hadn't anticipated perhaps is the audience engagement, the people that start emailing you and tweeting you and reaching out to you. And then as you build a reputation, people start reaching out to you to become guests on your show and you have to find time to research them and then prepare for that. 
and things tend to build. And I hadn't anticipated any of that. So when I got to episode 100, which you kindly mentioned earlier, and the part of the reason it was a bit of a wrap up show is because when I got to 99, which I think was around about Michael Port, and I thought that was such a strong place to leave it for a gap. There were two things I wanted to do. One is take a break and two, see what happened when I took a break. You know, what would happen? You know, would people really miss my podcast? I hope so. Or, you know, would anyone care? I mean, it's a genuine thing that goes through our head as a podcaster. Does anyone really care about what we do? I was delighted to see that the figures not only sustained themselves, they grew, they grew, where even though I wasn't putting out more content. And I can only attribute that to people, new people finding the podcast or maybe existing listeners, then going back through the back catalogue and listening to previous episodes and i know for fact i've had listeners that have reached out to me to say that not only have they listened to every single episode which i find fascinating but there are listeners out there that have listened to them more than twice and that blows my mind so not only have they listened to every single episode they've listened to every single episode more than twice um so okay so that that that, that was kind of insightful in itself but what my mind has changed about recently and i would offer this advice to any podcaster or anyone who's thinking of starting a podcast right now think about doing your podcast in season blocks rather than just aimlessly just chucking out episodes which is how i started i would have definitely if i was going to start all over again i would be more strategic about how i was going to curate my content i probably i don't know quite how i would have like categorized it but i would have probably maybe i would have done a season of 10 episodes which all featured new york times bestsellers for example may may have done it that way it's just that's one of a million ways that i could cut, chop this up so um i'm going to be taking another break at 150 after i did the break at 100 i thought right i'm going to take another break this has worked out really well because it gave me all this time to make some changes behind the scenes to the podcast and do a few things that i wanted to do differently but then I thought I'd carry on to 200, but I've now got near to 150 and I'm itching to do some other bits and pieces. So I'm going to take a break at 150, go through the same process again and then pick it up again. So that's what I've changed my mind about recently is taking a break. Yeah, that's very helpful and very applicable. And it's something actually I'm, I've been thinking about as well because I'm actually close to 100. And it's it's interesting to hear what people have done at that, at that, um, at that milestone. I'm actually going to have... I was able to have my guest number one available. He's going to come on as guest number 100. So Excellent. It's a nice book. That's really good. It's a nice book. And it's a two-year span in between conversations. That's perfect. So it's going to be interesting. It's uh, Chase Reeves of The Fizzle Show. But someone who does does the concept of the... uh, the seasons very well. I don't know. You know, he's in the UK. His name is Colin Gray. Yeah. Yeah. I know Colin very well. Yeah. Yeah. And he does... He's done it masterfully. I think he's, he's had that plan and so i think he does about 10 episodes on each different topics so uh, it was colin that inspired me okay yeah it, with that exact thought yeah it was colin that inspired me but uh, another guy mark asquith who i know you've had yep. on your show yeah he he basically pressed stop at 150 on his podcast and that's what inspired me i thought well if he can stop at 150 so can i so <laughs> he, he gave me the courage to do it and it was definitely colin's idea that to, I, I offer this to every podcaster that i work with now i basically say think about your podcasting seasons and it's a great idea because if you're still on the fence about whether you want to start a podcast or not you can do a short season of five to ten episodes and try it and then either way even if you decide not to carry on podcasting you still created something which is a little podcast series, which is of value to somebody out there. So totally agree. It's a neat way to do it. Yeah. And if you, and if you do it right, you can take this idea of taking a break and build a, a, 
I don't want to say maybe a strategy, but just be intelligent about it in the way that you communicate it to your fans. Write a blog post about it. Go on Facebook Live. Say, hey, I'm taking a break. I, Mark has done this really well. He's, I think he even created a group where he talks about what's happening. So I think we sometimes forget that there's a we have a source of material available to us as podcasters that's not only our episodes. It's the story behind our podcast, and it's something that right. I'm, tr- I'm trying now. I'm doing something crazy. I'm going on Snapchat, Anchor, uh, Instagram, and Facebook Live every morning. And it takes about 15 minutes to do, but it's just I pick one theme and I go across it. And so you can now go Facebook Live within your own group. And I have a group just for the podcast. So fascinating. So it's something that I'm trying and I'm seeing who's, what, what people are jumping across the different platforms. Yeah. But, but, but to, what your, to what your earlier point is, we should always be experimenting, right? Never, never be stale and, yeah. and try new things. Absolutely. I mean, with something like a podcast, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It can just tell you the truth. You know, <laughs> people might stop listening and you go, well, maybe I should try another podcast on something different if you're still excited about yeah. podcasting. I think if people are not responding, then they're not paying attention. Right. Exactly. What, what's, the, uh, what's the one most misunderstood thing about you? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, that I am serious. I think uh, I think people are surprised. Like I don't actually take myself that seriously, even though I probably sound. I don't know quite how I sound to other people on my podcast, but when I listen back to it, I think sometimes I sound so serious about what I do, and I do take my I take my podcasting work very seriously. I really do care about it, and I really do care about the listener experience. Um, but I don't take myself that seriously. And I think it's really important to laugh at yourself, to have a laugh, to have fun with all of this. And when things don't go right, just see the funny side of that. And uh, I think that anyone that doesn't know know me outside of the podcast, I think they, they might think I'm quite a serious guy. But, uh, you know, behind the mic, there's a very unserious guy sat right here. So when, so when is the last time you had a good laugh? <laughs> oh, daily basis. My <laughs> wife makes me laugh all the time, usually at my expense. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's usually something I said I don't. More, more often than not, it's where I've contradicted myself by telling my sons to do something in the morning. And then by the afternoon, I'm doing the exact opposite and hence setting the example, which is the example where they got the idea from in the first place. So. <laughs> Very good. Uh, what, are you, what are you excited about producing in, in the upcoming next 30 days? What am I excited about producing in the next 30 days? The, the, the final couple of episodes, you know, running up to 150. Um, I've got Mark actually this week as an interviewee, and I can't wait to have that conversation. It's the first time I've interviewed him. He's a great guy. He's a huge inspiration to some of the stuff I do and certainly some of the people that I spend a lot of time with. I know he's an inspiration to them too. And uh, I love what he does. He's very, very authentic. Uh, he, you know, he's very real. He, 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 he says it as it is. You know, and I think he really you get a real sense that he knows the journey inside and out. And when he doesn't, he he really offers that. So I can't wait to have a conversation with him. Very excited about that. It's New Media Europe again this weekend. I can't get there for the whole weekend, but I'm going to be there hanging around the registration table around about on the Saturday, I hope. Um, so can't wait to see a few old faces such as Colin Gray there. And um, yeah, I think every day is exciting at some level or another. And um that I would say, you know, podcasting as a whole has brought a whole new exciting edge to my life. If for the very reason that, like yourself, Harry, has just introduced me to amazing people that I wouldn't have met under other circumstances. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Rob. It's, it really lived up to its expectations, and I'm really happy we had the, the, the chance to talk.
Oh, it's my pleasure, Harry. Thanks for the invitation. So what's the best place for folks to track you down? Uh, inspirationalcreatives.com is the podcast. And if you want to learn a little bit more about me, you can go to Rob Lawrence. That's Rob, R-O-B-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, roblawrence.co. And uh, you can find out a little bit more about my story there. Highly encourage you to check out his uh, Rob's show. Everything will be posted in the show notes. And uh, hopefully it's one more podcast you can add to your listening queue. Thanks again, Rob. Have a fantastic evening. You too. Thank you. So how about that conversation with Rob? There's got to be some takeaways. There's got to be some things that you heard and that really resonated with you if you are a podcaster or if you, even if you are just a fan of podcasting, there's some interesting things that I, I really like that Rob touched on. This idea of people coming to your life for a reason, a season or for life, I thought that was fantastic. And it's just it's another way of saying everything happens for a reason but applied to the people that you come in contact with. I really like this idea of these short action episodes on Wednesday following the full interview, and I've been thinking of ways to make my content more consumable. So if you follow me on social media, you'll know that there's a, a bit of a social media blitz going on with me uh, the past couple of weeks. What I'm doing is, is, is a strategy that I'm trying, I'm always trying something new. What I'm doing is starting the conversation uh, with a couple of snaps on Snapchat, which is something that's brand new for me. I'm still wrapping my head around that. And then I'm following that up with a post on Anchor or Instagram, depending what pops into mind. Anchor is a, is a very interesting social media tool because it only uses audio and they're called Waves. So you record a two-minute wave and that's it and people can comment on that. And then what I do is I send people the link and a description to Instagram. And then in Instagram, it's the other test is that I'm shooting video, whereas in the past, it was everything was pictures. Everything was pictures about episodes. And it's a way for me to add content there. So I'm not waiting for this time in between episodes where I have nothing on Instagram. So I'm recording a short video and what I'm doing across all these channels is picking a topic for the day. So I'm not going on each one of these and rambling. So uh, last but not least, there is a Facebook group for fans of the show. It's called Podcast Junkies Junkies. So if you're not on any of the channels I just mentioned, uh, and maybe you just want to pick one, the Facebook group is, is a great way to join the conversation because I wrap up the thought there because it's longer form and I try to shoot like a five minute video. I'm still uh, playing around with lengths of the video to see what works best. So that's something I'm doing because I'm looking to always try new things. So what I was mentioning uh, when I was started talking about this topic was this idea of short action episodes to make the content more consumable. So I'm going to be giving that some thought. The irony is that it's a short action episode and, and that will actually take the longest to produce because Anyone who's done editing knows that piecing together audio from an interview to find out the other, the pieces that you want to use to tell a compelling story, even if it's only going to be five to 10 minutes, will probably take you an hour or two. So it's something that I'm going to think about how to do and bake it into my current flow. And if it works, then I'll definitely use that idea and I've and you heard me mention in the in the interview that I was going to give it a try and he was all for it because he got the idea from previous guest Colin Gray. 
The other thing that he talked about was listening closely and this idea of what question to ask and then where to place the question. And if you haven't, if you, d- you didn't get that point, I, I think it bears repeating or bears a repeat listen because it's something that I followed up on because I thought it was really important. So I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. Feedback as always, podcastjunkies.com slash 95. And for those of you that might be new, we're a member of Podcastica. Podcastica is a fantastic network of shows. We recently added the podcast producers, Corey Coates and Jessica Rhodes. They had a hit on their hands with season one. They're back with season two. And in this latest episode, episode six, they actually speak to Jason and Karen of the Walking Dead cast, which is also on Podcastica. So we try to keep it all in the family here. Uh, We had some really good episodes recently. Uh, Ron Dawson of Radio Film School had a whole episode on Alfred Hitchcock entitled Anatomy of a Genius. That was uh, back on June 7th. It's titled FJ17. You might want to check that one out as well. And then... Uh, Morgan Dix of the One Mind podcast, episode 68, was about a guided meditation for summer abundance, which is something that I think we could all use, right? Podcastica.com. Check out the growing list of amazing shows. Intro and outro music was composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his songs at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget that uh, the retention hashtag for this week is based on our guest, and it and it's going to be inspiring Rob. Hashtag inspiring Rob, tag myself, podcast underscore junkies, and tag Rob at Rob is listening, at Rob is listening, that's his Twitter handle. So I mentioned all the social media uh, channels that I'm on recently and that I'm testing, so I think that's the ask for this week. Join one of the groups, either us on, follow me on Anchor, it's uh, Harry Duran. You can actually go to podcastjunkies.com slash Anchor, I've created short links for that. On the Instagram, it's uh, podcastjunkies.com slash IG. And on Snapchat, it's, I'm just Harry Duran there. And also Podcast Junkies Junkies is the group. So I'd like some more engagement and see which of those channels resonate with you the most. So that's it for this week. And next week, we've got another fantastic guest lined up. I've got some interesting things in the works. I've, uh, by the time you hear this, I will have recorded a session at CBS Radio. Uh, so that's a sneak peek at what's coming up. And that's because of a connection I made with a previous guest. Can you guess who? Find out. I'll talk to you guys next week. Love you guys for your support. Have an amazingly fantastic day. <laughs>